You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. A new covenant. All those things represented and spoke of Christ, even the kosher diet. It's a physical diet that's meant to teach us spiritual lessons. Paul put it very clear. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8, food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. If you're keeping some kind of diet because of religious beliefs and you think you're more righteous because you don't eat certain things, that's just not biblical, not New Testament. You want to do it for health reasons? Fine. But don't do it for religious reasons. Have you ever wondered why Jews are required to keep a kosher diet? Pastor Danny explains in today's lesson that this diet is intended to teach spiritual disciplines. But it's also pretty easy to understand that food and drink can't bring you closer to God. Thankfully, in our new covenant with the Lord, sealed with the blood of Jesus, all food is clean and worthy to eat. Our salvation isn't earned by eating the right foods. It's a free gift given to all who believe in the saving power of Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 10 with today's edition of The Living Word. Acts chapter 10. If I was dividing the verses and chapters, as I mentioned last week, I would have had verse 43 of chapter 9 be the opening for chapter 10. Verse 43, chapter 9, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, the hour of prayer, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, sir? That's what it means, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, now get this, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now stop there for just a minute. At this point, the vision has become a Jewish nightmare. Why? Leviticus chapter 11, verse seven. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter, but let me read you some sections of the Jewish dietary laws. Things you can eat, things you can't eat. 
Verse seven, and the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. There goes the pork chops. There goes the bacon. Verse nine, of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. Verse 12, anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean for you. The lobster's gone now. Verse 20, now this section I totally agree with. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean for you. Totally into that. Verse 29, of the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. I totally agree with this section too, the weasel, the rat, no rats. Any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, and the chameleon. Verse 41, every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. So the Jews had these dietary laws and there were certain things they could not eat. And Peter and those like him have been kosher their entire life. And so when he sees all these kinds of unclean animals and the voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. His response is not surprising. Back to the chapter, chapter 10, verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And he's proud of that fact. And people like Peter viewed those who did not hold to a kosher diet and especially Gentiles who were not circumcised. That was a big deal for the Jews as well. They were proud. And because they were proud, they were prejudiced. And don't get me wrong, Peter loves the Lord. But in regard to certain people, he's growing, but he's still got some problems. He and those like him. Let me give you some synonyms of prejudice. Partiality, you like one over the other. Bigotry, that's when it gets excessive. That's an excessive form. If you're a bigot, you can actually end up hating certain people. Bias. Peter grew up in an environment, Mark chapter seven describes it, verse three. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And it's not to get the germs off. It's religious ceremony. And they observed many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So they kept a kosher diet, had all these ceremonial washings. They believed in circumcision. And anybody that did not practice these things, Gentiles, they were prejudiced against. There was animosity. There was no fellowship between the two groups. Back to the text, Acts 10, verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. Why three times? Matthew chapter 15 and verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and said, Lord, don't you know the Pharisees were offended when you said this? And Jesus said, verse 13, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, the Pharisees, they're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And Peter said, well, explain this to us. And verse 16, this is why three times. This is why three times. Are you so dull? 
When Mark records this in Mark chapter seven, after Jesus makes the statement, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but it's what comes out of his mouth because what comes out, that comes from the heart. And it says there in parenthesis, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Hallelujah. The bacon's okay. Oh, if you want to keep a kosher diet or whatever diet for health reasons, that's one thing. But if you're doing it for religious reasons, listen, we're under a new covenant. He declared all foods clean. If you receive it with thanksgiving, you're fine. As long as you're not eating 12 pork chops in one sitting, you're fine. What's the message of the vision? The four corners of the sheep represent the four corners of the earth and all the unclean things that Peter is told, Peter, kill and eat. That's all the Gentile world. Back to the story. Verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down, said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. These would have been kosher, circumcised believers like Peter. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God. Listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. At this point, Peter pulls out his sermon notes. <laughs> then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Peter now is sharing the gospel. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Folks, listen. It's a Gentile Pentecost. The exact same thing that happened to a bunch of kosher, circumcised Jews, Acts chapter two, now has happened to a bunch of unkosher, uncircumcised Gentiles. And Peter and the other kosher guys with him are astonished. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now, just a few more verses. Please hang with me. Chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. After such a fantastic experience of seeing a whole room full of Gentiles get saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit and then later baptized with water, this is a stinging rebuke, stinging criticism. It sounds like something the Pharisees said time after time against Jesus and his disciples. But wait a minute, wait a minute. These are Jesus' disciples. And while they're not Pharisees, they have some Phariseeism in their hearts. And God wants to purge it. Remember on one occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And one of the things they were was prejudice. Prejudice. Verse four, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. And we're not going to read that because it's just repeating what we already have read. But jump down to chapter 11, verse 15. As I began to speak, Peter says, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections than praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now thank God for that record. God had to pound it into Peter's head, but once he learned the lesson, he never had to relearn it, right? Wrong. Years later, Galatians chapter two, verses 11, 16, Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face because he'd hang out in fellowship with the uncircumcised Gentile believers, but when certain circumcised believers came from the Jerusalem church, he withdrew from them and would not fellowship with them. And when he misrepresented the gospel in that way, Paul said, I rebuked him publicly to his face. There's so much to learn here, so much to live out. Let's go over a few things. Religious beliefs not based on truth. <laughs> that's Peter's challenge. That's one of his challenges. And the others like him. I grew up being taught that it was a sin to fish on Sunday. Thank God I've been delivered. <laughs> Still hard to fish on Sunday unless I'm on vacation. Eddie Dobson was the dean of Liberty when I first got there. Irish fella, soccer player. He was the coach of the first soccer team and everybody loved him. He's a great preacher. But in one of his messages, I'll never forget, he talked about his first pastorate in America and how when the People learned that he played soccer after church on Sunday. They had an issue with that. They thought playing soccer on Sunday was sin. Amazing some of the things we believe. 
when I first got saved, I was 19. I hung out with the youth group at the Baptist church I was a part of. I went to the youth pastor, said, I know I've graduated high school, but I don't really fit with any other group. I fit better with you guys. Can I hang out with you? And he let me for the whole summer. I did before going off to college. And on Sunday night at the time, he was doing a study. Actually, it was a, a guy that he was using. A, they call them vinyls now. We call them records. It's amazing they've come back now record players, turntables, and we had the record player there, and the youth group would gather around, and Mike Cassidy, the youth pastor, would introduce the evening, and, and then he'd play a section of the, the record uh, by Frank Garlock. Frank Garlock was the teacher, and one of the things uh, I was taught on then by Frank Garlock is the evil of syncopation, rhythm. I was a drummer, and so I was told I had to give up my drums, you know, because if I played the drums in the Baptist church, or around Baptist. Demons from Africa might encourage the Baptist to want, to make the Baptist want to dance. And God forbid that the Baptist would dance. Now, I've been freed from that one too. And you say, if you're new, and then we see new faces here all the time, so people will ask me, well, what's the policy at Calvary Chapel, St. Pete? What do you guys believe about dancing? Well, our policy's always been the same. We believe some can, and some can't. Because of what I was taught, when I began to play for a ministry while I was in college and ended up having the privilege of playing for this singing group and band and we'd go all across America and then in the summer we'd go to other countries and we did a lot of high school assemblies, saw a lot of young people come to know the Lord, but they updated the program about my third year in the ministry and they added, with the singers part, they added what they called choreography. But it looked like dancing to me. And I went to my leader, I went to my leader, I said, I don't know if I can continue to play drums for this ministry because I, they're dancing. Crazy, huh? Colossians 2, therefore don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Here's the deal. We're under a new covenant, folks. And the issues in the text, which apply in so many different situations, listen, you couldn't even keep the law and the feast like God assigned them to do because there's no temple anymore. Now, I'm not saying don't celebrate the Jewish feast or anything like that. A lot of people still do. But understand, God allowed the, the temple that was standing in Jesus' day to be destroyed in 70 AD. And to be totally technical, they can't keep, according to the Old Testament, the things that God prescribed. We're under a new covenant, a new covenant. All those things represented and spoke of Christ, even the kosher diet. It's a physical diet that's meant to teach us spiritual lessons. Paul put it very clear. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8, food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. If you're keeping some kind of diet because of religious beliefs and you think you're more righteous because you don't eat certain things, that's just not biblical, not New Testament. You want to do it for health reasons? Fine. But don't do it for religious reasons. Everything is to be received with thanksgiving. All foods are clean. Hallelujah. <laughs> every time I teach, I haven't eaten breakfast. I haven't had, didn't have much last night. And every time I teach this message, man, I'm getting hungry. I can see the lobster on the plate. <laughs> I can taste it. I don't even have any. I got to go buy some. The basis for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Just going to mention this one. We learned that from the text. Paul asked in Galatians 3, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Is it by faith or not? It's by faith. Biggie, the basis for our righteousness. Say it with me. Come on. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. Did nothing to earn it, nothing to merit it, nothing to keep it. It's a gift. 
Paul the apostle learned this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's in the context of him telling us that in regard to legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. And he learned that legalistic righteousness had nothing to do. He was still sinful. He learned the truth. Romans chapter four, let me just read it. Verse seven, the Psalm of David. Boy, David experienced this. David should have died under the law. He should have been killed. Should have capital punishment for his sin of adultery and murder. And he writes, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. And Paul continues, this is, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Women saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. Before Abraham was circumcised. God says, go, look at the stars. So shall your offspring be. And then he talks about one particular offspring. There's a seed coming from your offspring, a singular person, Christ. And it says Abraham believed God. He believed the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah through his lineage. And God said, because you believed in the coming Messiah, I credit you righteousness. It's righteousness based on what the Messiah would accomplish. He would die for the sins of Abraham and the world. Circumcision was a sign of the truth. Because it's the basis for our righteousness, faith, the gift of God, it should be the only basis for fellowship. In biblical times, there was no greater, no more unrelenting barrier between people than the one between Jew and Gentiles. Jews believed that Gentiles were created by God to fuel the fires of hell. In Herod's temple, there was a wall that separated the court of the Gentiles from the court of the Jews, a wall. And in Latin and Greek, common languages of the day for foreigners, they had an inscription. Josephus spoke of one particular inscription and excavations in 1871 and 1934 discovered two of these inscriptions. They say exactly the same thing. Here's what they say. No foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Did you catch that? They killed people because of religious prejudice because of bigotry. They kill people. You can read about them trying to kill the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 21. In Acts chapter 21, Paul is in Jerusalem at the temple with Trophimus the Ephesian. He's an uncircumcised, unkosher Gentile. And some Jews saw Trophimus the Ephesian with the apostle Paul there at the temple and they assumed that he had taken Trophimus into the court of the Jews beyond the wall the barrier. Riot breaks out and they're trying to kill the apostle Paul. The only thing that saves him is the Roman army coming to rescue him. That's how serious it was though. You know what this is? Those are known locations in the United States of hate groups. They say the last couple of years they're down from what they were in 2012 and 2012, known by the government, 1,007. There's now some 800, but they're growing again. In 1999, there were only 457, so they've grown very quickly. You know what Muslims view non-Muslims as? Infidels. 
U.S. Human Rights Network, a network of scores of U.S. civil rights and human rights organizations, after a lot of study, a lot of study, here's the statement they made. Discrimination permeates all aspects of life in the United States and extends to all communities of color. Some of these hate groups, especially some white supremacist groups, they actually claim to be Christians. They believe in the King James Version of the Bible. We're so glad that you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience as we study the book of Acts. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. As you make your way through the Bible, you might be surprised how something hits your heart exactly where you're at. God's Word has a way of doing that, and it's unmistakably God's way of speaking to you. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God over the radio, even if they weren't intending to. Pray that listeners would be open to hearing the gospel message. Pray also that we would continue to seek God's will for this program in teaching the word and reaching the world. One additional thing that we'd ask you to pray about is if God would be leading you to support the living word financially. If so, you can find a way to do that through our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on the Give tab. We're so grateful for your support. Thanks for praying, giving, and listening here on The Living Word.